0: My mother was born in 1928, and her older brother, Harold, was born in 1924. She's been taking care of Harold for 35 years. That's 12 years longer than she was married to my dad. For years, people would reason with my mom that she should put Uncle Harold in some kind of facility, you know, where he'd get full-time care, and she could pursue a job or even get married again. But she could never imagine doing that to her brother. There was never any question about who was responsible for Uncle Harold. She was. According to my mom, she and my Uncle Harold's childhood was so unusual, and their bond was so close. She tells me Harold always unswervingly had her back, no matter what. But now other health issues have cropped up, after he collapsed on top of my mom while they were walking home one day, it was decided, well, she decided, that he needed to move to a nursing home. She couldn't take care of him anymore. So now he's living at the JML Care Center. He turned 91 years old there in October.
1: It was Sunday night, and um, he called out, to me. My heart always sank when Harold called me at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so he called out to me. And he was standing in the bathroom and he'd made a, poor fellow, he'd made a mess all over the bathroom. And um, so I tried to clean him clean him up as best I could. And then I wanted to put him in a clean pair of pajamas. So he had a walker. And I said, well, why don't you take the walker and walk her back into the into the bedroom and I'll help you get into your clean pajamas." I got out his a pair of bottoms for him, and I knelt down and I tried to lift up his foot to put into the pajamas, and it was it was like it was made of stone. I couldn't move it. He was absolutely rigid. And I, I, I was appalled. I couldn't believe it. And I'm a very strong person, and I figured I could lift that foot. I couldn't lift his foot. So while we were wrestling, we all went over. Harold, me, and the walker all went over.
0: And did you ever find out what caused those? Okay,
1: now we'll get to the next point. So he went to the hospital, and that's the time in, when they had him in the... Um, they never even found a, a room for him in the ER. He sat in the hall. He lay in the hall. And um, they, when they discharged him, they discharged him with the diagnosis, Failure to Thrive which means they couldn't find anything wrong with him, okay? So that wasn't wrong already. So um, we took him to Dr. Crago, and I said, what, makes, what, what has made these attacks? Dr. Crago said, you can't deal with it. That was fine. I'm glad he said that. You can't deal with this, and he should go to the nursing home. At first I felt uh, slighted. I thought, oh, God, he doesn't trust me. I'd been taking care of Harold for 35 years now.
0: <laughs> Come on,
1: folks. <laughs> I wasn't going to be. I mean, if if it was time for Harold to go, it was time for Harold to go.
0: Right, but.
1: It wasn't just my lack of good care.
0: How often are you coming up here though? How often are you walking? Well
1: um, I, I during the summer I was walking both ways three times a, a week and I discovered that that uh, I was I was doing too much. So Do you now I- you
0: were getting too tired oh, or? I,
1: yeah I was ex- I was more exhausted than I realized oh. and so once a week to walk up here. and that's, that's enough for me. But you know what persuaded him to stay? What? The fact I finally dragged out the last argument that I really didn't want to have to give. Which was? I have atrial fibrillation, and I can't take care of you anymore because I might die. Oh. As soon as I said that, he said, oh, yeah, that's right, which is the truth, and yet I... No, I don't know. Why? It sort, of, it sort of feels like a cop-out. A cop-out. That I'm using my, my health as a condition for not taking care of Harold.
0: But does it really feel like a cop-out?
1: Well, a lot of it does. And then I think, no, it's true. I got to the point where I was really scared because I didn't know what I was dealing with.
0: I'll get the door. Well, you know, we have a way of doing that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> What's that beeping noise, do you know? Yeah. It's a world-run place.
1: And this is another uh, calendar that came that you can use. Mm-hmm. Carol and I go through the calendar. I don't know. Carol, that's
0: the Wildlife Federation.
1: Carol does the calendar every day that I'm here. He writes what the weather's like and what the weather was like yesterday. So you, there's no room to talk, uh, talk about what the weather's like today, but you can talk about yesterday's weather, which was rainy. So that goes there. So every time I come, we do that. It's really important to maintain his calendar. Why? Well, just cause. it gives you a sense of, gives him a sense of knowing, being up with the world. I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but.
0: I and know, also well,
1: this calendar with all the pictures on it, uh, it helps a lot. Uh,
0: it's fun
1: to see, it. go back to see some things. Harold has, had, Harold has been in love almost continuously ever since he was grown up, which I think is really nice. He's always in love with somebody. Yeah, how about now? Fashion for somebody, yes. <laughs> then one time he came back from JML uh, daycare <clears throat> and he said there was a lady who really truly wanted to marry me. And I told her I was sorry, but I was too old for her is that right? Is
0: that true, Uncle Harold? Yes. Well, it looks like okay. Mom's already going out the door, so okay. good night, Uncle Harold. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. We'll see Thank you, Ronald. You, we'll see you. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, okay.
1: Good. Yeah, okay. okay. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye-bye, bye bye. Thanks for Yeah. See you soon.
1: Okay, you want to take a taxi, or do you want to?
0: <coughs> it's up to you. Do you want to take a taxi? You no, were saying I can walk. you wanted to take a taxi. No, I can walk. You want to walk? Yeah. Okay. Hi. How are you? How are you?
1: Are you still in daycare? Mm-hmm. Oh, good girl. How's he
0: doing?
1: Great. Thank you, dear.
0: how did you feel like at the time when it was when you were finally bringing uncle harold to the nursing home well i when
1: i took him to the nursing home that was fine i i felt i felt relieved but i got home and as i say i started first thing i did was clean out harold's room because he you saw his room didn't you it was yeah it was a mess so and i bundled all that stuff into a big plastic bag and took it up to the daycare so that they could hand it out to people again but after it was all tidied up and neatened up and I thought about how I could put another bed in there even and I was having all these bright ideas and then I realized the finality of the whole thing got to me and as you say this strange situation in which he can't use any of his things and yet he's not not dead. It's very strange. Yeah, the whole thing sort of impacted on me, and it—you know—my friends kept on saying, "Oh, geez, now you can go out to lunch. Now you—you you, know—you can do all these wonderful things." And I said, "Yeah, that's right. I can do all these wonderful things. All I know is that I lost my appetite, and I am somebody who never lost her appetite. So, I knew something was wrong." Mm-hmm. So maybe you missed him. I missed Harold as a person, no doubt about it. But I also missed the regularity that was enforced on our lives, on my life. And to think that I had the responsibility from there, then on for my own, own life was terrifying, I think. What am I going to do with all those hours? Now I'm old I can sort of control my life better. And now there are fewer choices. I I firmly believe that one thing that helped me was the fact that I didn't have all that many choices when living with Uncle Harold. <laughs> I knew what was like what I was going to do. So I'm dwelling far more in the microcosm. What do you mean? Well, my little world is so small. It's the apartment, it's the front porch of the apartment in the summertime and it's, you know, the, using the binoculars to spot out the butterflies that are landing, landing on the buddleia and just that little plot of garden thinking about the various things that are in it and what's happening to them But the best part of being old is you can sum up, bring up those memories and lay them away in a box and close the lid. And then they'll come, it'll pop open again and you'll have the same memories. But by that
0: time, you know, you're so old, you know, it's okay. These days, my mom has started to settle into living alone. She tells me her life is more in the microcosm, and what she means is she's watching the birds at the bird feeder, she searches for butterflies in the summer, she works in her garden. Her close friends have become closer, she needs them more now. They're there for each other. Having Harold gone makes her remember so much more about her childhood and that makes her miss him even more. But the memories don't go away. They're there for her when she next needs them. For Making Contact, I'm Stephanie Geyer-Stevens in Falmouth, Massachusetts.